0: You're not really a practicing Christian anymore. You've kind, of, you kind of lost your faith at one stage. Like, but yeah, um, you got into tarot reading, and you kind of see that as like a form of spirituality. Did you almost like replace Christianity with it, or is it? Um, so, the
1: the way that I see tarot is tarot is a tool that you can use. So, like, um in the same way that I guess people might use things like prayer or reading the scriptures or something like that, as a tool for their Christian faith. Um, tarot is a tool that people can use in all kinds of spheres. So like there's Christian tarot readers out there, there's pagan tarot readers, there's atheist tarot readers, there's satanic tarot readers, like it's, um, there's there's a lot of different people that do tarot reading um, in a lot of different ways. So the way that I do it, probably won't be the same too if you speak to another tarot reader, the, the way that they do it. Um, but it's, I guess it's, it's replaced some of the practices that I had while I was a Christian, like prayer and reading the Bible. But I wouldn't say it's like, I, might, I don't have a like, tarot isn't my religion in that sense, or anything like that. It's, um, it's a tool that I use to connect to my intuition. But I, I don't think that they're anything more than, you know, just bits of card, really. Uh, yeah. It's, um, you know, in the same way that some people might use something like crystal to connect to their intuition or um, might be praying for someone and then get a Bible verse in their head that they want to share with them. For me, it's just tarot is the
2: tool that I'm using at the moment.
0: How, um, like, where does your mind go when you're doing it? Like, do you go into a different spiritual, being I always here, people talk about this, they go into a different spiritual kind of being what, yeah. um, what experience is that like
1: it's, it's hard to describe because it's not anything that it, it's i guess you know, if we were talking about it in terms of like what, where, what am i accessing it would be i guess some kind of spiritual power or something maybe so it's not really something that's like tangibly in the real world um, but for me, the way that I guess understand it is so as, as you mentioned, I grew up uh, in the church. Like we said, I was uh, an evangelical Christian. I don't know if you know too much about Christianity, um, but in the like charismatic evangelical church, they have a big thing in terms of people moving in ministry of the Holy Spirit. So doing things like speaking in tongues or praying for people and prophesying and, and getting words of knowledge and stuff like that. And that was something that I did. While I was a Christian, I was, um, you know, I, I would I went to like Christian youth festivals uh, when I was a, a hardcore Christian, and I'd pray for people. I'd get words from I what I assumed was God for these people, and it would encourage them. It would help them, and um, you know ultimately it was you know a way of me, I guess, supporting people and and stuff. And since I've started doing tarot reading i'm sure we'll get more into kind of how i left christianity but i guess i found it as a way of me tapping into that again not that i necessarily feel like i'm connecting to the holy spirit as as i would have put it um when i was a christian but i think that i'm connecting to the same um it's it's using the same circuits in my brain if you like uh, I remember my old pastor, actually, um, when I was in the church, um, he used to talk about how um, he believed that the what happened when people encountered what we would have described in the church as the Holy Spirit, he believed was the same thing happening in the brain as what happens when people take drugs or when people drink. It's this kind of heightened state of brain chemistry that changes the way that you see the world. He's not a scientist. I don't know whether that's got any kind of scientific validity, but I like the idea of us kind of tapping into something that exists beyond our material world. And you know, when you have a drink or when you uh, if you've ever taken drugs or anything like that, it kind of changes the frequency of your brain slightly and you see yeah. things on a different level. And that's kind of what I'm tapping into when I'm doing tarot reading, I guess
0: it actually makes a lot of sense what you just said like people like i think when people like take drink and like drugs it's like it's like the only time in their week they kind of feel like as you said like all their brain chemistry is kind of like altered and mm-hmm. um, it's like people lack something there from the spirituality side and it's not something i really like un- I, I don't tap into it a whole lot but i'm trying to like it's kind of hard to get into that mindset sometimes like joe you know, it's um you you know more about this than me but like it's like it's like you're a not not that you're a different person but it's like you're seeing the world so differently like when you're like let's say when you're pissed or you're like high off your fucking head like it's like you see it's like you see this different world and it's like there's not all this anxiety and there's not all this stuff holding you back it's like you're just free i think that's what like the spiritual thing is it's just like you're free and you kind of are who you are and you just live like you're so present in the moment i think that's kind of what everyone wants to be like deep down everyone wants to be like that it's just it's so tough, though, because like, you're just kind of holding yourself back a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, and we're kind of in this rat race of having to achieve in this capitalistic world all the time that there's no real escape from, really. And, you know, people go to things like drink and drugs and stuff as a way of escaping the, the real world sometimes. But also, I think we forget that, I guess, what we call the real world and things like capitalism, money, and all of these things that we've created that we feel are so real, you know, that, you know, that arguably money is real, but it's also this thing that we've kind of agreed is, you know, okay, well, this piece of paper is is valuable, and it means something. And if I give it to you, in exchange for a service, like it's, it's it's a fiction that we've decided that we believe in. That you know, we kind of accept and is is part of, of the day to day life that we do. But you know, I, I um, um, as I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about on the show, I'm non binary, and I, um, I identify using they them pronouns. And a lot of people seem to have real issue with that in terms of, like, addressing me how I feel like I identify. But at the end of the day, like, we forget that language is not something that exists to define how humanity is. Like language is a way of us making like vibrations with our vocal cords and putting symbols onto a page to try and make meaning of our existence. And if our existence, like if if the language that we have for our existence and for our experiences doesn't fit, then we need to change our languages. We can't just say, well, your experience is not valid. Like it's, language is so much bigger than that. And I think that transcends, you know, when we're talking about spirituality and and tarot and all of these things where maybe we're we're tapping into something that isn't um, what we're used to in the kind of traditional sober world, if you like, then, you know, it's it's us, I guess, navigating the world in a in a different way. And I think I I don't know, I've never taken anything like Ayahuasca or anything like that. But from what i've read about people taking those drugs where it's not necessarily they're taking it for like the um like the high in terms of like um recreational sense they're taking it because they know that it's going to alter the way that they see the world and they want to see something different because they recognize that the way in which we see the world as humans is not reality it's just our interpretation of that through our limited senses. But um, it always makes me think of there's this um, documentary. Um, that's It's on Vimeo um, called The Overview Effect. And it's this documentary that um, some astronauts did about what happens when somebody goes to space and they see the Earth from space. And they talk about how like there's traditionally, I guess, like three layers to society. There's um, the planet that we live on then there's the people, and then there's capitalism, like the um, money th- that we use to, to kind of run society. Uh, and they talk about how like, traditionally we see that, you know, okay, well, if you have a healthy economy, then you have healthy people, and healthy people mean that you can have a healthy planet. So like, they focus on, okay, well, let's make sure that the economy is healthy first. But what happens when people go to space is they look at the earth and they see this planet that's on its own in, in amongst this entire kind of blackness of space, and then there's humans who are on that planet that can't exist outside of this you know, um, atmosphere that w- we have, live on, like we, we can't exist on any other planet other than Earth that, that we know of. And yet, for some reason, we see humanity as more important than Earth. And we see this thing that we've created called the economy as more important than humanity. And it's just I think for me, once I kind of realized that that actually, you know, that's the way that I guess society wants you to think that, you know, the economy is the most important thing and that we live to, to serve the economy. But actually, it's the opposite way round. And that actually, you know, if we don't protect the planet that we live on, then who cares about the economy? Because it's not going to fucking exist when we're dust, is it? <laughs> like
0: No, no. And, um, and the... as well as that, like, the, you even said, like, the economy above the people. Like, that's so true as well, like, people put what people put above themselves, like if people could just understand that like, it's a short enough time you're on this earth, and it's the most unique thing ever, like you're on this, I don't, I don't know, the problem, it's hard to know, we can, we could can talk about like, is there life on other planets, we could talk about this all day, we can't really go searching ourselves, but like, maybe there is, maybe there's not, but, um, like you only get a certain amount of time here, and to prioritize like, prioritize money, to prioritize all these things over, the actual quality of the life you live, looking back on it and saying like because when you look back in your deathbed you're not going to say yeah I'm glad I worked all those extra shifts I'm glad all I did because it's just about like when you're on your deathbed you want to say I experienced as much unique things mm-hmm. as I could and I was in this mind this mind space where I was able to do that like and I wasn't just restricted and I didn't feel like there was people telling me what to do and I wasn't a brainwash
1: even like the word brainwash like we kind of we have this negative connotation to it but i think we're all brainwashed in our own way by our own experience and you know we the the information that we get about the world and about what reality is it, it determines how we see it and so you know I, I guess we kind of see brainwashing as this really negative thing but it's something that ultimately I think happens to all of us in a sense like when I was a Christian I was brainwashed into seeing the world through this specific lens and it was only once I was exposed to different ways of seeing the world and recognizing that oh okay well people can be queer and not burn in health because of that or, or things like that that I was like oh okay well the world is bigger than what I've been conditioned to believe it is, and I think that, you know, a lot of the time, I guess we kind of see brainwashing. We think of like what happened in the World War Two and you know all of that, which is absolutely wrong and atrocious and and stuff. But it happens today with regards to like the media that we're watching and, and stuff like that. Like it influences us, whether or not it's intentionally nefarious, it still influences us. Like I see it all the time when I'm on TikTok if I'm constantly just engaging with either stuff that is with people that disagree with me, or people that are like trolling me, it affects my mood. And so I think that you know we need to have a recognition of the fact that like what we consume affects us. And that is that, that happens both ways, regardless of what, like whether somebody is intentionally being manipulative or not, it can still manipulate and I think that's the thing that I found with the church in particular with the kind of trauma that I received in there it wasn't nobody was like oh yeah we're going to traumatize God today we're going to like um ruin their life and and all like they, they had the best of intentions they loved me and they wanted the best for me it's just that what their interpretation of what the best for me was was misinformed and that's That's where the issue is. It's not that they're a bad person. It's just that they've been given information that's not entirely accurate,
2: I guess.
0: Yeah, because it's it's like anything. Most, like, no, as you said, like, no one really acts out of badness, but I think they genuinely believe in this idea, and which is, you know, and they're entitled to do that, and there's a lot of people who believe in it. And I think they just are, as we said, they're kind of brainwashed and that, and, and not that they're wrong or right, not that anyone's wrong or right, but it's like they don't really they think like some like I could look back at it and say they're enforcing an idea on me or you could say that but really in their mind they're just trying to share what they think and their faith and they don't think they're doing anything and that's that's that goes for anyone like and like even anyone who who has done wrong to someone like they in their minds they might think they're doing right and it's mad how everyone is just that's kind of what fascinates me is like everyone on this earth is so like different and every single thing that someone does is sometimes they are actually just being malicious and they are actually trying to get back at someone or do something but like a lot of the time people are just so like in their own head and they don't from their experiences they're like yeah this is okay and there's reasoning behind it so it's so interesting how like everyone interacts like there's not two people on this earth they're the same and everyone just interacts with each other so I don't know what the word is but yeah it's um it's just such an interesting concept that everyone's just thrown onto this earth so different and everyone just has to kind of get on with their lives and interact with people it's so interesting like
1: yeah, and we—I guess—we kind of assume in our own heads that like everybody has to be the same as us, and that's why we see people. You know, I get so much hate online because I choose to use they/them pronouns, and and people are so angry about that and are like, oh, well, how can you use these new pronouns and stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, actually, if you look at it, the, the you know they/them pronouns have existed for like 700 years. It's not that they're a new thing, just because they're new to you doesn't mean that they're new in general and like either way if it helps me why why does it offend you so much like it's i I just think that a lot of people they they hear something that challenges the way that they see the world and they see that as an attack on them but i guess um and maybe this is just due to my story and, and kind of what i've been through kind of growing up in the church realizing that the information that I'd been handed in the church didn't quite make sense. And so I kind of challenged it and decided to pursue what I believe to be the truth. And um, I've constantly done that. I've like my life in the last kind of decade or so has been a pattern of, I guess, listening to information, coming up with opinions, but then challenging that and recognizing, okay, well, just because I believed this for my whole life, doesn't mean that it it has to be 100% true. And just because it might not be 100% true, doesn't mean that everything else has to fall apart. I think a lot of people feel like being told that they're wrong or admitting that they might have been wrong about something is like some kind of act of weakness or or something like that. But to me, I see it as a strength. Um, You know, my opinions and my beliefs about things have changed dramatically in the last 10 years the one thing that i think is constant about my life in the last 10 years is the fact that things have changed and i think that's a to me to me i see that as a positive because i see like you know if if you're not able to be given new information and take that on board and change the way that you're thinking about things then you're living in an echo chamber you're not um you know you're you're letting your idea of what the truth should be transcend what the truth actually is, because you're not prepared to hear new information that might challenge that. And I think that that can be an incredibly dangerous thing. Like if you're so like tightly, um, like bound to your view of the way that the world works, that if somebody challenges that and says, Well, hey, actually, you know, like, you know, it's like the whole thing with like trans women in bathrooms, like, the 99% of people that are hurting people in bathrooms are not trans women and wearing you know, and, and introducing laws that protect trans women is not going to like prevent a like biological man who wants to attack a woman from going into a toilet and doing that like it, it that that's not uh, that's not the argument at all and people. I guess, see it and, and think, oh, okay, well, I've been told this thing about trans women. So therefore that must be true. And they don't listen to the experiences of trans women. And the fact that that's a completely different thing, you know, and I'm not trans women, I'm non-binary, I'm not, um, you know, I, I don't identify as, as either of the, the binary genders, I guess, but it just pisses me off the way that people just jump onto a bandwagon without either fully researching it or actually just being open to the fact that okay well maybe I might be wrong about something and just because I'm wrong about something doesn't mean that I'm suddenly an awful person and I have to be cancelled like what I believe about something is not more important than who I am as a person and I think that ultimately like for me I keep coming back to the thing that I guess I, I loved about the church and makes me still have some kind of fondness for Christianity in a in a very slim sense is the message of Jesus and I don't mean what the church has portrayed the message of Jesus to be but when I read the scriptures I read Jesus as being this person that prioritized love over anything else and you know taught about loving other people loving the planet that you're on loving yourself as as a priority and having everything that you do come from that And for me, that's what I see my work as doing is, you know, I'm trying to meet people where they're at and love them and whatever that looks like, I'm trying to do that. And I think that the church says they're trying to do that, but in reality, they're trying to force their particular theology on people. Most of the time, I mean, obviously, there's there's nuance to all of this. And, you know, I, I say Christians as a like a thing as if i'm talking about all christians but obviously i'm not there's there's nuance to all of it but yeah sorry I'm, i've been waffling i don't know so no, <laughs>
0: no, yeah there's a, there's a few interesting things you said there and the the one thing about like someone's like ideas being so like concrete and they're just not willing to change them. i think if you do that you kind of stay in the same place your whole life and i i've i know plenty of people who like are just so almost like angry and kind of like bitter about some belief that they have and mm. and like there's a lot of times I've been in arguments with people and I've lost arguments because I literally because I'm willing to say look fair enough you could actually be like I could I could really be feel strongly about something but I I genuinely do think that I have this thing in me that I'm like okay yeah you actually are right I'm wrong and like you know and does maybe people kind of have to learn that that you know you kind of have to let go of this pride that like you think you're right and and yeah. um, stuff like that and then um what was it yeah and like it's about kind of being understanding like i i'll be completely honest about your non-binary i have no really understanding of it and i have no and i think that's where part of the kind of thing comes with people i don't think people are anyway i have i literally couldn't have less understanding about it um i i can't really accept people getting angry about it because i think that's probably a step too far but when i say i have no I, I didn't know pronouns were used 700 years ago. I have no education on them like whatsoever. So
1: but that's the thing. I think yeah. that like admitting that you don't know about something is the best thing to do because a lot of people will hear, oh, you use a pronoun that I'm not familiar with. That's wrong. And then they immediately close themselves off to it. But what you're saying and you know is the right way to do it is be like, OK, well, I didn't know that was a thing. But let me let me hear about it. Tell me about it, because it's, it's recognizing that you don't know everything. And I think there's a lot of people that kind of think that because they don't know something that it's it's not a thing. And, you know, like I said about, you know, the pronouns existing for 700 years, like, yeah, we've not like used them in, I guess, day to day language in that way for the, you know, for for the most part of, of history. But we we definitely have used them like if Um, for example I don't know I was um, running for a bus or something like that and I missed the bus I would say oh you know that bus driver they're a right dick or something like that because Mm -hmm. I don't know whether the bus driver is man or woman or or whatever all I can see is that you know the bus driving away from me so like to say that like you know i would use the pronoun they in that sense in a singular sense and and it wouldn't be an issue i think the reason that people find it difficult is because they're not used to seeing people as as anything other than oh okay well you're a man and you're a woman and that they're not used to seeing people expressing themselves as something outside of that binary that doesn't mean that people haven't done that in the past like i've been doing a lot of research into like uh, what's called queer archaeology, which is like um, basically people who are looking at the digs that we've done in the past and like the things that we've dug up and thinking, OK, well, how have we projected our own understandings of what things like gender and sexuality are onto these cultures? Because, you know, when you know, if, if somebody digs up a skeleton, I get it all the time. People say you know, when people dig up your skeleton in a thousand years time, they're just going to see you as a man and firstly like maybe they will i don't know i'm probably going to get cremated so i don't think that's going to be an issue anyway mm. but when uh, an archaeologist digs up bones they use their understanding of the world and project that onto those remains if a, like if, if a society you know like the ancient egyptians there's you know we've now come to like the conclusion if you look at a lot of um, like paintings and hieroglyphics and stuff like that, they recognised a third category other than man and woman. It's just that because archaeologists, when they dug those things up at the time, didn't know about those categories, they put these like remains in the categories of either man or woman. And then now people are coming back to it and looking at it and going, well, actually, yeah, we may have identified that as a man because they were buried in the way that male warriors would have been buried but actually when we look at the bone structure they had a a female bone structure or when we look at this like ancient painting we can see they've got a penis and they've got boobs so maybe they're talking about something that's not in this kind of traditional binary category but because in the 21st century in in the western world we've kind of i guess you know through colonialization and the uh, largely like the christian church trying to force um christian um kind of binary values onto to societies a lot of these cultures where third genders existed have been um like uh it, it's been like, essentially kind of removed from those societies if you look at like a lot of um african societies before white people uh, invaded they did have like multiple expressions of gender they had like polyamorous relationships they had all kinds of different sexualities and then white people came in and forced this kind of binary view of looking at things on them and i think that um yeah i guess all that to say like just because our understanding of the way in which we categorize things is today doesn't mean that that's what it was back then and it doesn't mean that in you know in a thousand years time when people dig up my remains if I am not cremated they're probably going to project whatever uh, like ways in which they view gender and human experience in that day onto me so you know if they believe that gender is this binary thing then they'll project a binary gender onto me but if they don't they won't project that because at the end of the day like I don't have any control over the way in which they view things in a thousand years' time other than trying to influence the way in which we experience it now and talk about it now and try and advocate for the fact that my experience and increasingly a lot of other people's experience doesn't match the binary system that the West has perpetuated for the last however many years. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I actually do, and I'm not just saying that just to, you know, just to agree <laughs> with you. I actually do kind of understand what you're saying, to be honest. And uh, I'm not just nodding at you. I actually am listening as well. If you think I'm just fucking dozing off there, um, what, what was, what is the reason that you identify as non-binary? Because this is the thing that I don't understand, and I don't, I, I haven't researched anything about it. So I just, I'd actually, I'd love to know. Um, is it because? you don't think you should be put into this box of being a man or being a woman and you just kind of want to be just yourself or what's what's your reason i'll let you answer i guess
1: um so growing up i was i was bullied a lot as a kid um for for a lot of different reasons i was short i was skinny i had a uh, high-pitched voice all of this kind of stuff um and from a very young age i felt very strongly that I didn't fit the mold. I didn't feel like I fitted the traditional thing of what a boy was supposed to be or what a man was supposed to be. Um, and for a long time, I tried to fit myself into that mold, which just didn't work and caused me to have all kinds of other problems. And, you know, the bullying to increase and stuff as I tried things that I just because, you yeah, know, partly because I was an autistic kid and undiagnosed. And I didn't understand how to um, Kind of deal with these things, I guess, in a um, in a way. But yeah, I never felt like I fitted the traditional definition of what a man was. But I also was pretty certain I wasn't a woman. So for a long time, I just felt very, I guess, like like there was something wrong with me. Like I wasn't uh, like that that like. I wasn't a proper man, I guess, you know, i had been told that all my life through bullies and stuff like that. But I just I felt like there was something wrong with me in that I couldn't fit this definition of what a man was or or what a man should be. Um, And then it was a few years ago. um, It was actually on a a, with my previous job. It was during the pandemic. They were doing a lot of calls to do with like um, diversity and inclusion because I was working in retail and the shops were closed, so they had to give us something to do. Um, And so they got us to learn more about um, different gender expressions. And I heard a few people who worked at different stores in the same company, um, like in the country, talk about their experience of being non-binary. And it started to, I I guess I started to think, okay, well, maybe that could be me. Um, And there was a long time where I even then, like even though I felt like I probably was non-binary, I still didn't use that language because for the most part of my life, I'd identified as straight. And so I kind of assumed that because I'd identified as straight, I couldn't be questioning my gender identity because it was this like because I wasn't gay, I guess. And I kind of had this really limited understanding that like gender and sexuality were the same thing or something. but then, I guess, kind of through TikTok, <laughs> things like that, and just speaking to people, I recognize that, like, I don't feel like I fit within the gender binary. And so therefore, non-binary is probably the best language to use to describe my gender identity. Um, I, I I guess the way that I see it, like, um, So non-binary is kind of like an umbrella term that is used to for lots of different gender identities so like one person who identifies as non-binary might feel something like gender fluid where they feel like a man on one one day and a woman on another day and somewhere in between on another day, whereas for me, I identify with the term agender, which is um, kind of like the term asexual where like someone who's asexual doesn't experience sexual attraction. For me, I don't experience any affinity with either of the kind of gender binaries. So I don't feel like a man, but I also don't feel like a woman. And it's not that I feel like I'm both. I just for me. Yes, I have a male body and I, I, you know, I biologically I am a man, but I don't feel like any of the stereotypical, I guess, ideas of what a man should be based on what I've been told they are, because that's what it is at the end of the day, like a man as a like in terms of the gender rather than the like biological thing of being male is a social cultural thing that we've decided as a thing Like we've decided that men are um, traditionally leaders or, or whatever, like there's all of these assumptions that we have over what a man should be. And I don't feel like they are me. I might have some of those qualities. But to me, the idea of, of being a man, it's just not something that I feel defines me. I guess, um, and part of that probably is due to when I was growing up being told that I wasn't a man and wasn't a real boy and was um, that you know I needed to man up and all of this stuff. Um, but also, I think you know at the end of the day, like like I've said, you know this these terms like man and woman it's it's language it's it's things that we've used to describe a particular experience of being human and if i don't feel like that word describes my experience of being human then i think that it's it's okay for me to find other words that better describe that um, and i think that we are moving towards a, a society where people are more comfortable defining themselves. How they feel rather than how they're told they like fitting themselves into a particular box that society tells them to fit into. Does that make sense?
0: Mm. Yeah, um, I, th- I think there's kind of like um, almost like a bridging of the gap between men and women, um, and there always, obviously, there always will be that gap because there there will always be differences between men and women. Like there's, regardless of what people try to say, there has to be. You know, there has to be a divide to an extent because there, you know, there is always a difference, but
1: there's biological differences between male bodies and female bodies. Yeah. But I think the, cause there's, there's a difference between sex and gender. So sex is like your biological makeup and that's not something like, nobody's trying to argue that that can change. Like my chromosomes are male chromosomes. As far as I know, I've never had them like tested by a doctor or anything, but, um, I'm not arguing that that can change. It's just that the, like gender, which I guess is like the role that you play in society, traditionally based on your sex, it's it's the argument that that doesn't have to be defined solely by your sex. And you know, if you look at someone like a trans woman, um, yes, biologically, they may be male, but in terms of the way that they feel, and the like way that they function in society, they tick more of the boxes that women tick than mentic like they're affected by misogyny in the same way that women are um they're affected by um you know sa in the same way um you know sexual assault and, and rape and stuff like that in just the same way as, as um non-trans women are and i think that like it's it's just recognizing that like i guess you know it, it goes back to what i was saying at the start like it's 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 language does language seek to um like define us or do we use language to define our experience like are we making language this prison that we have to fit into of like okay well you have a penis therefore you are a man and you must have all of these qualities but I don't feel like that okay so then let's let's recognize that while biologically I might be like this the gender that I have, the the way that that biology expresses itself in the world is different from me to you. And I think like, you know, where I, I don't believe that like, a lot of people ask me like, well, how many genders are there? And the way that I always respond to that is like, well, how many colors are there? Because if you think about like, color, it's a spectrum, you know, like yellow, there's there's hundreds of different shades of yellow, we might call them all yellow. But they're all subtly different. And in the same way that like, there's millions of people that feel like a man, but if you ask them, well, what does a man mean? Like, what does being a man mean to you? They're going to give you 1000s of different answers. It's a personal thing, right? Like, you can't say that, I don't know, if if somebody's experience and what makes them feel like a man is that they have a beard and another person's feeling of of what makes them feel like a man is that they look good in a suit. You can't say that either one of them is wrong, because that's their experience. Does that make sense?
0: yeah and i think what's what's important as well to almost kind of detach like the word male from all these ideas and like not to detach them like this that, that's not what a man is like that can be what a man is but that doesn't mean that if you're not if if you don't if if you're not sporty if you're not um athletic if you're not a leader if you're not all these things if you know, a bitch or whatever else you want to add doesn't mean you're not a man but if you do it's okay and it's it's kind of about detaching it's not this yeah. rigid thing so it's it's kind of hard to know the the, the gender debate I, I would it's it's hard to know I'm not I actually don't know much about it to be honest and I, I but I think that's the more that's the important thing I think it's just yeah. um there might only be the we'll say the three if you're to say male female non-binary but just to have it as a less rigid approach I think that would kind of be you know better because I, I you know I would i would say i fill out most of the ma- the typical masculine ideas but that doesn't mean that i'm going to look at a guy who's i don't know whatever other thing that maybe wouldn't stereotypically yeah. maybe it might be a, a traditionally feminine aspect or something doesn't mean i'm gonna look at them and say they're not a real man so i think that's what the important it's a kind of a societal switch i think that's maybe more important than yeah uh, but yeah what you said as well is it is interesting that like it's um it's not, it's not this rigid thing. It's, and, it, and that gap is probably being, is being bridged. I suppose with the way people view, view gender now.
1: Yeah. Like I think I heard somewhere that like 47% of Gen Z now identify as LGBTQIA. So like, it's definitely something that I think, I don't think that it's that suddenly more people identify as queer in some way. I think it's just that more people are feeling comfortable in expressing themselves outside of these traditional roles that we've society has decided are are the the norm if you like um and also like just realizing that i don't know like i things like makeup people say oh yeah makeup is a feminine thing but eyeliner was originally invented by i think the the romans or the greeks or something as a thing for traditional men to wear (laughs) so it's like these things that we've decided of like oh okay well um you know men wear trousers women wear skirts and stuff like it's all things that we've decided are real but the only basis that it has is in the fact that people have done that and if people don't do that anymore like if 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 women stop wearing dresses or men stop wearing dresses or or something like you know if you look at um like King Louis I think he was like um of France who was considered to be like a very masculine man at the time, he wore dresses, high heels and makeup. But that was masculine at the time. So these these things that they're constantly evolving. And I think if we are trying to like force people and say, Okay, well, you need to fit into this box of what human experience is rather than saying, Okay, well, this is your human experience. How can we define that? How can we talk about that? I think it's a much like we we, will be able to move forwards a lot better rather than trying to limit people with language, recognize that language is at the end of the day just symbols that we make on paper and vibrations that we make with our vocal cords to try to understand the world. And if our language is providing a barrier for us being able to understand the world in a coherent way, we need to change our language.
0: Hmm. Um, one thing I can kind of see from people like people, Jadaway, you've said like people who get who've being given out when you say identify as they them and as non-binary and stuff like that people give out i think people i've talked to about it i think it's like they have a fear or sorry like a fear of the unknown about how far it can go like you know the way like things about people like marrying their horse and like identifying as trees and i know that's a very small minority but that's probably and that's maybe a thing that i can maybe understand that people are afraid of that this kind of turns into a bit of a farce.
1: Yeah, people would have said that about a lot of different things. Like when it was like, oh, should we give women the vote? People were like, oh, well, I don't know if we should do that because, you know, think where it could lead, oh, should we let gay people get married because it could lead to people marrying their sisters and stuff like. People like to take an argument about one thing and take it to like the nth degree um, and say, oh, yeah, like people marrying horses and stuff like that. But on the other hand, I'm like, if someone wants to marry a horse, who am I to stop them like at the end of the day if that makes them happy it's not hurting me like I don't know like I I get that it's it sounds a little bit ridiculous um and you know we shouldn't necessarily be advocating for everybody to marry horses but if one person wants to marry a horse why are we getting so upset I I guess I don't know I just see it as like people like to get upset about things that don't really have anything to do with them. And I think this is that's one of those things of like they're they're making it something that it's not. Like, you know, me identifying as non-binary doesn't mean that it like somebody's gonna say, okay, well I identify as a penguin. But if somebody does want to identify as a penguin, well let's let's listen to why they want to identify as a penguin and, and find out. And if there is a genuine reason, then let's go for that. If not, who are they fucking hurting? Like at the end of the day, like it's not like they're saying that you should be a fucking penguin. I don't know. I just think that sometimes people get like offended about something that has nothing to do with them for the sake of getting offended. And it, I just, I find it ridiculous. Like, it, I don't know.
0: I think people could also kind of make a counter argument that like, they could flip it and say, why do people get offended when I don't call them by their pronouns? And then you could actually, out of curiosity, what what would... Um, if someone was to call you, we'll say, not that anyone would call, like, say, like, he, him, but, like, if someone was to call you he, like, I'm assuming you just kind of react in a fairly calm way. like
1: Yeah, I, it, it depends on the intent behind it, I think. Like, if somebody's genuinely making a mistake, then, you know, fine, whatever. Like, I'll you know, if, if it's appropriate and I've got that kind of relationship or rapport with them, then I might correct them, um, or if I know that it's going to be something where they'll be addressing me in future like if it's a friend or something but if it's just an uber driver I'm not going to bother because you know that to me it's not it's not a fight worth fighting at the end of the day they're not doing that to offend me they're just doing that because they didn't know and I know that generally I present as somewhat typically masculine so people would assume if they were going to assume that I might use he him pronouns but it's when people know that that's not what my preferred pronouns are and use them regardless that I take offense. And you know, you might say as, as you said there, like that you know I, I can't I can't control the way people talk. I can't control whether people use the language or the, the pronouns that I prefer. But to me it's it's kind of just like a, a an act of respect. Like you know, for example, if if you didn't like being called Danny or um like, Danatron or something like that, and I started calling you that, you'd have a right to be annoyed at me if you told me, oh, yeah, please don't call me like Danny Boo or something. Yeah. Like, I, I don't feel, find that comfortable. Then it would be disrespectful for me to continue to use that term to, to refer to you. And that's the, the where I would, I guess, draw the line of like, if it's a genuine mistake, that's fine. But if I've corrected you, or if you know that that's not how I like to go by and and you're still choosing to do that like you not agreeing with it I think I don't think is uh enough reason to not respect me like you you could not use any pronouns to refer to me and just use my name but I think to purposefully call me by something that I've said I don't want to be called by is yeah, you know, when you know that that's a thing, I think that's where it's kind of go- going into the territory of like disrespectful and uh, an issue rather than just a mistake. Does that make sense?
0: Hmm. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I think if people don't want to kind of go into that whole terminology, I think to just call your name and yeah. you not know, nothing done wrong there. So like, I think they're better off just doing that, as you said. Like, yeah. Um. Now, shall we do this tar- tarot reading?
1: Yeah. I think that could be fun
0: this um, Yeah. To
1: yeah. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll just say a little spiel about the way that I do tarot. So um, like I kind of said at the top, I don't believe that the cards are anything magically and of themselves. They're just a tool that I use to connect to my intuition. Um, and I don't believe that when I do a tarot with someone, I'm like seeing the exact future as it's going to pan out or anything like that, like I i very much rooted in the present moment in what I do. Um, so I kind of see it as if I like the example I always give is that if, say, for example, you ask me to give you a tarot reading and your question is, am I going to pass my French exam tomorrow? And I do the reading and the outcome is yes. You, and you say, OK, cool. I'm not going to revise. I'm going to go out partying all night because God said that I'm going to pass my exam, so I don't need to worry. You're probably not going to pass that exam. Whereas if I do the reading for you and I say, no, oh, no, actually, I don't think you are going to pass the exam based on what I'm seeing right now, that might be the kick up the ass that you need to go and fucking revise for the exam rather than going out partying. And then you know, so like, I think that ultimately, like how you move forwards after we've had the reading and what you do with the information is what determines your future. It's not that I'm saying like, oh, OK, well, I've pulled this card. Therefore, you're going to uh, meet someone on Tuesday and they're going to like this to you or whatever like i think that you know ultimately you are in control of your destiny so in the same way that if you i do a reading and it says that you're gonna meet the love of your life tomorrow and you don't want to meet the love of your life you could just stay in the house and then it won't happen (laughs) do you know what i mean so they're
0: not they're not going to come to you or something magically like Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: um so i always kind of like to just say that because i think well like i've said like people use tarot in lots of different ways some people do use it as like a way of accurately predicting the future that's not the way that I use it so uh, yeah and I also don't communicate with dead people or anything like that that's not something that I vibe with so yeah but um yeah I think if if we're doing a tarot reading it's probably best if you ask a specific question rather than just do a general reading just so that I'm not like dragging up something that you maybe don't want to come out on the podcast yeah Uh, on there
0: um oh yeah okay um let me see so like would something like how will my life look in 10 years time is that too general
1: um
0: or more specific than that
1: maybe a little bit more specific than that i think okay. just because we're doing like a three card thing so like you could do maybe like um
0: how about like will i get married or something
1: yeah, we could do that or okay. like something about your future relationships and, and stuff.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh,
1: cool. Okay, well, let's do that. So um, what I'll do is I'll do a past, present, future spread. So that will be one card representing um, the past and kind of what lessons that you might need to learn from that. One card representing the here and now, and then one card kind of looking to the future. So uh, the way that I like to begin all my readings is just with a short meditation just so that we can kind of I guess, ground ourselves in the moment and get rid of any distractions and stuff. So are you comfortable just doing a quick meditation with me, if that's all right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Cool. And if anyone at home wants to join in the meditation, you're more than welcome. Um, If you just want to get comfortable, relax your shoulders
2: and sit up straight. And just allow yourself to become aware of your breath. Noticing how it feels as you inhale, and as you exhale. Allow yourself to feel connected to your breath, feeling it as the air enters in through your nose, filling up the lungs, expanding the chest. As you breathe out, feel that sense of release, that calm, Just allow yourself to feel at peace. And open your heart to what the universe wants to say. Okay. So, let's see what comes up.
1: So, um, I am what's known in the tarot world as a bit of a chaotic shuffler. So, the way that I generally do my readings is as I'm shuffling the cards, cards kind of fall out. And that's what I kind of see as the cards that are for the reading. So just, if you think that I'm shuffling a bit chaotically, that's that's kind of generally what happens.
2: Uh,
1: But okay, I'm just gonna get the cards out and then I'll uh, do the
2: interpretation for you. Um, Okay.
1: Right, I've just dropped a lot of cards, but I think. Uh, the final one okay interesting so um the first one that i've got for you is the lovers so this is representing the past energy then i've got strength um that's come out upside down in reverse and then i've got the nine of pentacles here right so um we'll start with the lovers representing the past energy so the lovers is a card that um can relate to love and and relationships with other people Um, but more often than not it relates to a relationship with yourself Um, so the the lovers is part of what's called the major arcana in tarot so there's um kind of two groups of cards i guess broadly in tarot there's the major arcana which is the first 22 cards of the deck and they represent the broad kind of archetypal energies in life and then you've got the minor arcana, which is made up of four suits, and that's the rest of the cards in the tarot. Um, so the Lovers is the f- part of that first part of the tarot, and it's um, part of the, um, what's kind of the first phase of the journey that goes on in the the major arcana, which is all about the conscious world. And it's how you relate with the world around you and how you define yourself in that world. And the Lovers is, is very much a card of having a kind of full congruent relationship with yourself. So it's about like self-love ultimately and recognizing the kind of distinct sides of yourself and, and falling in, in love with yourself. So I feel like the last few years you've been going on a bit of a journey with regards to your relationship with yourself. Would you say that's correct?
2: Yeah,
0: that's yeah, that's pretty accurate, Yeah,
1: yeah. and like you've, I think, I, I think I, I almost uh, I'm getting a sense that you're in a position now where you're probably more in in a healthy position for a relationship and potentially marriage than you were, say, three, four five years ago. And that's because of a lot of kind of internal work that you've been doing to accept yourself rather than just kind of. I feel like there was part of you that before that was kind of just existing to um run on the adrenaline and kind of go from experience to experience without really allowing yourself to stop to see whether you actually felt good about what you were doing. Would that be the case?
0: Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're on the ball there.
1: So moving into the, the present card then, the the strength in reverse here. Um strength is a card that's kind of traditionally seen as as like, I guess, um being strong colloquially um, you've got the the lion here um, and strength is generally seen as this kind of I guess somewhat macho energy maybe that you might be bringing to it but to me strength is is more of a card related to your um, softer side and being able to really allow that gentleness to come out you'll see that you know the strength in the card isn't related to the person being physically strong it's relating to them being able to like tame the lion and that requires uh like a softness and i think that's something that you're on the journey of at the moment kind of recognizing that looking after yourself is okay the self-care side of things but also the like, there's a quote from my old vicar, um, that where he used to say that, like, we connect with people over our strengths, but so no, we, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people over our vulnerabilities. And I feel like this card for you is, is almost, that's the journey that you're on at the moment, it's not focusing on the things that you're kind of strong at or good at. But recognizing those areas where maybe you aren't as strong and you're able to kind of become more proud of that does that make sense
0: yeah i get you there yeah yeah Um,
1: because i think that yeah i I don't know that just feels like the journey that you're on at the moment of of redefining what strength means to you redefining what that kind of means because i think i don't know has there been something that's happened in the last few years that's made you kind of have to step up in a way that you've not had to before
0: yeah yeah there was a a thing yeah there was a certain thing yeah it just made me question who i was and like um i suppose yeah i had to i was kind of forced to be to identify what my weaknesses were and like how i could improve as a person and why i what i did wrong in that Mm. situation was actually a few situations so yeah i'm I'm kind of constantly trying to learn from that so to see what I did wrong so yeah you, you are kind of right there
1: yeah and I think that like ultimately that's going to be something that's going to help you moving forwards with your relationships it's recognizing who you are what your own strengths are what your own faults and kind of um, weaknesses may be but to, to kind of own that um, and I think that's almost the journey that you're needing to go on on me before you meet the person that you're going to kind of marry marry and stuff the the final card that came out the future one was the nine of pentacles um and this is an interesting one because the 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 pentacles they're part of the minor arcana which is like i said that kind of second part of the the tarot and it's there's four suits the pentacles are the suit that's related to the earth element so they're related to things like your career money your home the, the kind of tangible stuff in life and the nine comes at a point in the journey of um, the pentacles where you've got a lot to show for yourself you can see that this figure here they're quite rich they're quite um they've got like nice clothes on Um, there's a lot of good things around them and it's this card kind of represents like individual success and um kind of getting to the top of your game almost and i feel like almost that's what's needing to happen for you before you find this partner that there's something of, of you kind of getting everything that you need and, and finding that success like this is this is generally a card of like riches in the future like success um things going well so I almost sense for you that you're you know I know you asked about kind of who am I going to marry and when am I going to get married and I feel like that's going to come once you've achieved the the success in in the projects that you're working on and dealt with the internal kind of, I guess, not confidence, because I don't think that's the right word, because you are a confident person. But it's, it's almost the like, you're confident in the things that you know, you're good at. The journey for you now is to become almost not confident, what's the word like content with the things that you're maybe not so good at and that will lead to you be able to have this kind of like almost like a an empire of of success then from there you'll be able to kind of move on to to romantic stuff does that make sense but i I almost see this as like there's there's shit that you need to do first before you can be be moving into a relationship does that make sense
0: yeah i get yeah no there is definitely a journey a kind of on i suppose like everyone last few years like kind of learning and trying to take things in so yeah a lot of the things you said there i do i you uh you i do actually understand what you're saying and i do actually resonate with them so yeah um yeah you've done a good job there to be fair
1: oh, thank so, you <laughs> awesome. at
0: your job so um
1: and yeah i i guess the, the one thing that i i would say and i guess um you know a lot of people say oh you know tarot readings anyone can um relate to them and stuff but like I don't know, I I'd, I guess I'd encourage you to maybe if, if there's any listeners that are listening back who want to say like, oh, yeah, well, actually, that made sense for me as well. Maybe it did, but there's probably people where it doesn't make sense. And they think, oh, that doesn't make any like how. What what the fuck was Gordon just on about then? Like
2: yeah.
1: so, um don't knock it until you tried it, I guess, because, yeah. Um, but if anyone would like to I, am I able to kind of do a little plug now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if anyone wants to, to do a booking with me, um, you can get one from my website, watchfulsoul.com. I do um, recorded readings where I will like send you a little like voice note with a meditation and a cute picture of the cards. Um, or I can do like a live reading like we've done here on Zoom, um, except it probably won't be broadcast to thousands of people on the Internet afterwards. <laughs> um, or if uh, you're into um, like TikTok, I also go live on TikTok quite a lot, doing readings on my live stream as well. Um, so people can find me on there at watchful.soul.
0: Okay, cool. Oh, I didn't know you did them live. I must actually tune into a few of them now. So do you get people on? <laughs> do you get people on with you and you do ones for them? Uh,
1: yeah. So I don't get them on the actual live, like joining the live, just because not everybody can do that. But yeah. I do so. I'll I'll do like one or two card readings uh, for the gifts on TikTok, so people can send me like a little swan, I think it is, for a one card reading or, or something. Um, and then I do uh, longer readings where people can book them through my website. Because I did try doing it just through the TikTok gifts system for a while for all of them, but um, TikTok take like forty sorry they take like sixty percent of every transaction on there. Yeah. So yeah, so. Um, Yeah, I I quickly decided, Okay, I'm going to do this through my website because I don't want to be like having to charge people so much when I'm only getting a fraction of that.
2: Yeah,
1: Um, yeah, it's a a lot of fun. Um, There's definitely uh, a lot of trolls on TikTok that do like to come into my lives and uh, give me a lot of shit, Um, but it's also a fantastic platform for like connecting with people and I've built such a lovely community of people on there as well um that it's just great I feel like I'm part of a lot of people's bedtime routines now because I do my lives usually kind of in the evenings um about like 10 11 at night or so um and I'll have like calming music playing in the background and um I'll be doing it kind of here as you can see with this kind of setup um and a lot of people seem to just like tuning in to me while they fall asleep, which is quite uh, weird, I guess. But um, yeah. there we go.
0: Yeah, something different, though, isn't it? Like it's not what people are sometimes used to, like, which is cool. Like it just gives people a different perspective on stuff like.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and, yeah, know, I, I do also use TikTok for, for other things. I've got another account, um, barbie.jesus, um, if anyone wants to follow that. I do like debates and stuff on there sometimes. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I I, I just do tarot and, and stuff, and I love it; it's great.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's you know you seem into it. In fairness, yeah, no, because like you you um are not bullshitting. Like you did genuinely say a lot of things that I actually understood what you were what you meant. Like yeah, but I mean, like especially in the tarot as well. Like you you did a lot of the stuff you said. I wasn't just saying it just to like you know make you feel <laughs> yeah. good. Like I actually did understand what you were saying. Like so, um so yeah, that's that's always good. Yeah, so this is this has been a successful episode, I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. It's been great fun for me as well. So um, yeah, look forward to hearing it when it comes out. Um, But yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, anything else to say just before we round off this?
1: Um, Just, yeah, like I've I've mentioned, check out my website. I also have um, guided meditations available for sale on my website. Um, And I've got um, some journals that are available um either digital journals or also print journals that are available on amazon so if you like journaling um whether it's that you want to kind of just write freehand or you want like a prompted journal um if you search watchful soul on amazon or just go on my website you can find i've got like over a 100 different journals available and different covers and, and styles and stuff so uh yeah journaling i find has been like massively beneficial for me just in terms of like processing shit. Um,
2: So if anyone um, kind of is looking for, for tips on that, then I've got resources on my website as well.